I um, just want to share with you tonight, like not a, not a formal message or anything. I just want to, I want to share an experience with you um, where I screwed up pretty badly yesterday. And I don't want to hide that from you. I just want to tell you what the experience was and what it made me think about when I got home. And, and that's the part that I want to share with you. And then um, I just want to do a little quick exercise for you guys, kind of like setting goals for, for the new year, just as a, as a side thing that will come out of that. So that's, that's what we're going to do today. It's, I don't think it'll take that long, but let's just kind of chill and ease into it um, and, um, and just have, a, have an open heart to, to what comes next. So i my get my notes. My notes are in my hand. Um, let's just open in a word of prayer and then I'll tell you guys a story. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much for a new year, Lord. Thank you so much for um, 365 new opportunities to um, draw breath, to live in the good that you've preordained for us, Lord, to know you more, to obey you more, Lord, to become more like you in this coming year, Lord. We, um, we just pray that you'd be with us tonight, Lord, that you'd open our hearts, Lord, that you would challenge us, that 2021 would be a year that we continue to grow and that we would look more like you um, this year than we have any other year before, Lord, that we would progress, that we would grow by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Open our hearts and our minds to your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is how I screwed up, okay? True story, I can tell you exactly when I screwed up. It was at 5.15 p.m. last night. I remember because my conscience was convicted at 5.15 and I looked at the clock kind of like Peter, which was bad. Okay, so I love um, hiking and camping and climbing mountains and doing weird adventure stuff like that. I'm very, very big into it. Those of you guys who were at the prayer meeting even yesterday would have heard me talk about going on like a 30k bike ride without having any experience of riding a bike up a mountain. And it, it's, it's very, my legs hurt a lot. Um, but I love that stuff, right? So two days ago, um, I went, I bought a, um, a tent because I've been going camping with a few of my friends. Um, like every few months, we kind of go on a camping trip and they always lend me equipment. If you're out kind of that far away from home and it's five degrees outside and you don't have the right sleeping bag and the right tent and whatever, you're going to get really sick and it's going to be very uncomfortable for you. And like the right kind of gear matters when you go and do that sort of stuff. So they're professionals, so they always lent me stuff. But now I've done it enough times and I love it enough that I wanted to go out and get my own stuff. So I went out and I bought a tent, I bought um, a sleeping bag, I bought the right backpack, I did all that stuff over the course of this week, just the last few days. But this tent that I bought, I'd never really heard of it and I wanted to test it. Um, so I took it home and they told me I could return it within a week. So I took it home and I set it up in my backyard and I slept in it that night, um, which was whatever, whatever, two nights ago. Um, and I set it up in, like, on a patch of grass in the backyard like a weirdo just in the middle of the night. I just went out and used all my equipment to sleep. Um, and I'm like, oh, I don't really like this. It's a bit tight, blah, blah, blah. All these are not necessarily necessary details to the story, but they're <laughs> important to me. So then I took it the next day to return it, right? Um, 
and it was the last one they had and the box was already open, um, but I, pa- I cleaned everything up perfectly. I put it away exactly the way that it was given to me. Um, and then I took it to the front counter and I spoke to the guy who I'd spoken to the day before. And I said, hey, you remember it's me. I took the last one. I actually tried it last. I pitched it as a test last night and it wasn't kind of really for me. I'd like to get a different kind, blah, 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 blah. Here's what I'm looking for. Can I exchange this? And he said, yeah, no problem. You pitched it inside, right? And I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah, I did. Literally that quickly. I didn't think any more than that. I didn't. And then, it's, so it's like, I understood what he meant. It's like, you, you did this on like a carpet or something. Like you didn't do this on actual grass and you put the pegs into the actual ground and whatever. And I knew that's what he meant. And it's like, you pitched it inside. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. And I'm like, oh, and now that I said I did, it was like a reaction. And I'm like, oh no, I don't, I didn't, I didn't. I like literally set it up properly on grass in like mud and I slept in it. And I'm like, oh, anyway, so the conversation continues and I try to suss out whether like this is a hard line rule or whether this is like, and I kind of begin to justify myself in my head. So I'm like, were you thinking if he, if you, were you like thinking that if he thought that you did it outside, he'd say... Yeah, he'd say, I can't return it, and now I'm stuck with a tent that cost me a few hundred dollars, and I can't. And I'm like, I don't want this tent, it's definitely the wrong tent, I, they, you know. And so I'm like, oh, if this is like, I didn't read the returns policy, I didn't, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I did this. And I spoke to him for like another, maybe four or five minutes after that, without correcting my mistake, I just kept giving myself reasons to continue the conversation and do the exchange. So I'm like, so I'm like, oh, okay, well, this is the one that I'd like. So he went to get it off the shelf for me. And he's like, oh, I'll do. And he actually did the exchange and I got the receipt for the new one. And he, I'm like, look, I packed it away properly. I cleaned it. It's, you can check it if you want, because I wanted to like assuage my conscience. I wanted to be like, open it. And if it's wrong, tell me no. But like, I don't want to tell you that I basically just out and out lied to you just then. And it's very different to say you pitched a tent on a carpet inside to you slept in it all night outside in the dew and the rain and the... Anyway, so I do the exchange and then as like a last resort, I go, with this new one, I want to try it as well because I'd say I still haven't tried this one. Um, is it okay if I, just, if I just put the pegs into the ground to see how they respond to the, you know, how, how sharp they are? How... Literally, this is the truth. This has happened yesterday at 5 p.m., okay? And it's like, no, no, please don't do that because we, we need to sell the pegs as, as, as new. So please, please make sure that you don't test it out in the ground. Oh, oh. So this is definitely a hard no, okay? So I say thank you. Thank you so much for, you know, you've been really accommodating and I appreciate it. And I'll probably be back tomorrow to get, you know, I'm tossing up between this tent and this tent. So if, I, if this one isn't the right one, I'll bring it back or whatever. And like, I'm sitting there, I go and put the tent in my car, and then I come back to the store to look for other stuff, because I can't get in the car and drive away, because it's killing me. So I'm just thinking, listen, I returned something to the store, and I'm buying something, and I'm paying the difference, so I'm actually like paying more money to the store. I know that I didn't damage any of the equipment, I know how clean it is, I know how to do the stuff properly, so I made sure it's right. Um, the guy, like, he's like, no, I tr-, and this is something he said that triggered me as well. He's, he didn't, tr- didn't trigger me, like, made me feel worse. I'm like, do you want to check the tent? He's like, no, I trust you. <laughs> and I'm like, 
And I'm like, oh, I done messed up. So, it, so I, was, I was thinking all of this stuff and I was just giving myself reasons to justify myself. I've, give, I've paid them more money. I know I've actually taken care of it. So even if they, you know, everybody, like they seem cool. They sell thousands of these tents. It's literally called Tent World. Like, you know, I don't, it doesn't matter. But then I, as I, like, I couldn't, I put the thing in the car and I came back because I was going to get something else anyway. But the thing that kept playing in my head was, is this the kind of man that you are? Are you the kind of man who for a couple of hundred dollars will lie and get away with it? Are you the kind of person who will sacrifice their character, who will sacrifice their beliefs in the smallest of matters? You can't even stand up for your values when you're buying a tent. You really expect to stand up for your values in front of a youth group or when it actually matters in front of the real world? How could I lie to this man's face? And I know that he only processed it because I told him that and I let him go along with it and I'm just going to get away with it. And I know that thousands of people would do that. Everybody would pitch a tent in the backyard and would say that they didn't and whatever. Did you wear these shoes to the wedding? No, of course not. No, I just tried them at home. No, you didn't. You, you wore them and re you returned them after. I knew that all that was true. But... I have a relationship with God and He's watching me. So even if nobody else knows, I felt naked and exposed in front of God in that moment. I know that He sees and I know that I know. And if I went home with that, I probably would have driven back the next day. So I just decided that then and there, I waited for like 20 minutes because the guy was super busy. And at the end of the, the thing, I actually didn't get to speak to the guy himself. But this guy saw me, pay, the, the guy who was standing next to him and heard the original exchange. He was pacing up and down, like, he saw me pacing up and down for like 20 minutes. And he's like, hey man, can I help you? And he was super friendly. And I was like, look man, I was actually wanting to speak to your mate with the beard. And he's like, well, he's, to be honest, he's going to be really busy and blah, blah, blah. I, you know, but I have an orange beard too, I can help you. And he's Again, unnecessary to the story, but I started talking to him and I'm like, listen, I, I have to tell you something. I just bought this tent and I told him the story, blah, 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 blah. And your colleague there asked me if I pitched it inside and I reacted by telling him that I had. Um, and look, to be honest, that wasn't actually a truthful answer. I didn't pitch it inside. I realized it wasn't a freestanding tent. I took it outside. I put the pegs in. I put the fly up. I actually slept inside it. Blah, 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 blah. So I just, I'm not the kind of person who can walk out of the store and, and, and for blah, 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 blah. And I explained why I made the decision to tell him. And, uh, and I, I, I just want to apologize to your friend because he, he trusted me and I didn't, I'm not that kind of, I'm not that man and I don't want to be that man. And I, and I want to look him in the eye and tell him that I'm sorry. Um, I've got the other tent in the car. If you want me to bring it back, I'm, I'm very happy to bring it back and I'll, I'll sort myself out. If that's the price I pay, that's the price I pay. I'm sorry. He was like, mate, get out of here, man. Like, you, you, you know, you're blah, blah, blah. But his manager was standing next to him. And he's like, you know what? If it was just me, I'd tell you to, you know, nobody does this anyway, man. Like, you know, thank you for your honesty, whatever. Get out of here. But, um, you know, this is my manager. I'll, I'll, I'll get you to tell her the story. So I'm like... So I'm saying, like, you, you're ashamed of this, right? I'm not happy that I lied to this guy, so that I reacted in a way that I'm not happy with at all. But it, now I have to tell the story again in front of more staff who are listening. I'm like, yeah, this is the guy who lied about the tent. And I'm like, oh. 
<laughs> so anyway, so she comes and, and he's standing there and I, and I tell her the full story and she's like, oh no, thank you. Like, the, you know, it, oh, we'll, we'll put it back on the shelf. We'll just open it up and clean it again. I'm like, no, I've done all that. You don't have to worry about blah, 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 blah. You know, this is very sweet. Thank you. No, don't worry about it at all. Take the other tent. It's going to be fine. Blah, 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 blah. And I walked out like there was an elephant that was on my chest and now it wasn't there anymore. And I acted in that moment consistently with what I believed. I had a belief. I know what's right and what's wrong. I know that nobody else will care. Nobody else in the store actually cared. The staff didn't actually care. They were just like, hey, this is kind of cool of you. But it's not about the staff. It's about me and God. It's about... I know what's right and what's wrong. The Spirit of God is in me and in you. We know how we're supposed to walk. And our walk is formed in private, not in public. What we choose in private is what gets displayed to people in public. So if I can't be faithful, and this is what Jesus always says, the world says, you know, show me and I'll trust you. God says, trust me and I'll show you, right? You've heard that kind of cliche thing before. But when God is rewarding people, when you hear him in the parable of the talents and all, that different, all those, those different scenarios, he always rewards the person who was faithful with little first, and then he gives them charge over more. So it made me think, right? That coming into this new year, what does my private life look like? What does our private life look like? The bit, because our relationship, our character in Christ is being developed, is being made, is being molded in the decisions we make when no one is watching. So even though I was physically with other people, so people were physically watching me, nobody knows what's in my heart, nobody knows what's in my mind. It was, and I was just like, man, if I wasn't a Christian, this is so easy. It's so easy to get away with it. Like, it was so easy for me to lie. It was like, it was just, it's to the point where it scared me. I was like, I didn't even think. I was like, you pitched this inside. Yeah, yeah, of course I pitched it inside. Like, what the heck? No, I didn't pitch it inside. And like, suddenly this thing in my head is like, what the heck are you doing? What are you doing? You're lying. So in, there is, as we kind of go into this new year, the objective of the Christian life is to be more like Jesus, right? But I have two natures. I have the old nature, which wants to sin and wants to lie and wants to get away with it and justifies itself. I paid more money. I cleaned everything up. I know I didn't damage any of the equipment. Blah, blah, blah. That's the flesh, 100%. I lied out and out. Me paying more money doesn't cover my lie. In fact, that's, that's kind of a Judas approach to things. Pay me for to compromise my morals. Literally, for, for 200 bucks, I can compromise my morals because that's what it was going to cost. I'm going to have to be stuck with this tent. That means I just wasted 200 bucks. But if I tell them the truth, maybe I'll lose that. Wow, for 200 bucks, you'll sell yourself out. That was, that, was, that was the line that crossed my mind. Can't be like that. But those decisions are costly. Saying no to my temptations in my room in private is costly. The self-discipline of that is costly. Telling the truth when I've lied and having to say I'm a liar publicly to several different staff members behind the counter 
is costly. It costs me my pride. It costs me my ego. It costs me my... Do you understand what I'm saying to you? It costs me something to come clean. But I gained so much more than I lost. It costs us something to say yes to God in those moments. When it costs us the pride of our flesh, it costs us the pleasure that we would have gotten that was temporary and was going to make us feel trash anyway, but it's the immediate cost. It's the high of that sin, right? Or the getting away with it that ends up being poison later on down the track. Sometimes you can see the poison straight away. Sometimes it takes years to see how much damage that sin has done to you and to your relationship with God. But what I gain in that moment when I choose God, is the obedience, is the, when Jesus was here walking this earth, he was tempted, but he never gave in, unlike me. So to be like him means to face the temptation and by the power of the Holy Spirit, to say yes the same way that Jesus said yes, and to say no the same way that Jesus said no in every given situation. That's, that's, what, that's where growth comes from, spiritually is that you're being constantly put into situations where you're having to choose between will I obey God or will I obey my flesh? Will I obey God? Will I obey my flesh? Every minute of every day, this isn't like the big moments where, oh, this girl is really tempting me. Every moment of your life, you're being given a choice. Will I obey God or will I make myself king just like Adam and Eve did and chose what they were going to do for themselves and fell? over and over and over again. So I want to read you some verses that popped into my head after this exchange and just challenge you with that. Um, where is this? So this is Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit chapter, verse 17, uh, verse 16. So I say, Paul speaking, Walk by the Spirit, just like Jesus did. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. They're there. They're definitely there. We all know that they're there. For the flesh desires what's against the Spirit, and the Spirit what's against the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. That's what spiritual warfare is. It's inside you and it's outside of you as well. Uh, they are in conflict with each other so that you're not doing what you want. You feel a struggle. I want to lie and get away with it, but I also definitely don't want to lie and get away with it. So what am I going to do in this moment? Right? This, I'm not telling you a story from like, oh, I was young and blah, blah, blah. Yes, this was 24 hours ago. Okay? This, is, this is every day. This is what life is like. But you are led by the Spirit. So you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh... So we get, it, we get now, we get to find out what the flesh looks like and what the spirit looks like. The acts of the flesh are obvious. It's sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, which means disunity, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this not who do this once off or whatever, those who, this is a pattern, this is what their life looks like, this is what they're reflecting. Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God because it shows that they were never in it to begin with. But, 
wanting to associate yourself with demons and do what they do. So witchcraft, magic, actual, like, so you don't see a lot of that in Western countries, but if you go to Africa and villages and tribes, you will see actual witchcraft where people are praying to actual demons. Crazy things. But the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, is the opposite. Love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have done what? Have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking each other and envying each other. Jesus lived by the Spirit. So every decision Jesus made, every temptation that Jesus faced, He approached it with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, forbearance, gentleness, self-control. Right? That's what Jesus is like. And my aim as a Christian is to be made, what God is doing in me, this process that we call sanctification, is God making me every day more and more and more and more like His Son. Because His Son is the standard. He put His Spirit in me so that I, don't, I can't do this on my own. All that I have in me without the Spirit of God is the first list. But now I've been given the opportunity to live out of that second list. And every time I face a temptation, whether it's a temptation to lie, a temptation to lust, a temptation to gossip, a temptation to be lazy, a temptation to yell and scream, a temptation to be rude, a temptation to not speak when I should be speaking to a friend or blah, 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 blah. All these temptations. I now have a second option. Before I came to know Christ, I only had one thing to react out of, my flesh. Now I have two. I can choose my flesh or I can choose to live by the Spirit of God. And it says this, those, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step. Keep in step with the Spirit. Figure out where Jesus is walking in every situation. Remember those, those bracelets that you used to have? What would Jesus do? We should be asking ourselves that question more often. Would Jesus be happy watching this? That's not a Sunday school thing to say to you. You're going to need it more as you grow up. Would Jesus be happy watching this? Would Jesus be happy listening to this? Would Jesus join me if I invited him to this place? Choices. Choices that are either making us more and more like Jesus and teaching us to obey God and enjoy what He has for us more and more and more. Because remember, I lost something, but I also gained something. I gained my integrity for one thing and being able to look myself in the mirror in the eye and say, no, I actually lived according to my beliefs. But I also got to see the grace of God in that moment. No, take the tent anyway. It's okay. I forgive you. Right? I got to see what living according to my principles yields. And even if they said, don't take the tent, I would have gone home with my head held high, knowing that I had lived in accordance with the truth. So I'm either being made more and more like Jesus in every minute of every day, or I'm giving into my flesh and being made more and more and more into what Jesus died to save me from every day. Are you hearing me? There's no in between. There's no standing still. You're either going this way 
or you're going this way. And God has given us 365 new opportunities to go the right way. Real, anything that's real grows. Anything that's real moves forward, right? You put some yeast into some flour, there's a chemical reaction because it's alive. Right? You put a rock in a bowl, nothing happens. You put a real plant next to a fake plant, you water the fake plant, you water the real plant, the real plant will grow. The fake plant will look the same 10 years from now. I don't want us to look the same a year from now. I want us to be watered by the Word of God. I want us to be obedient to it in our daily lives. And I want us to be able to look back and say, the tree was this big, now it's this big by the grace of God. I want to read you some more, some more verses. This is Jesus speaking in John 8, 28. He says, So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own, but I speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases Him. Man, I can't say I always do what pleases Him. I can't even, I'm not even close to that, right? But look at how Jesus lived. He said, when you've lifted the Son of Man up, then you'll know that I am He and that nothing, I do nothing on my own, but I speak just what the Father has taught me. How did He know what the Father has taught Him? Because He listened to His Word. How will you know in every situation, I'm supposed to go this way or I'm supposed to go this way? How will you know the heart of God if you don't know the Word of God? How will you know the standard that you're called to live with if you don't know the Word of God, if you don't know the intentions of the one that you're trying to please? How? So priority one becomes actually knowing the Word of God. What does He want for me in every situation? How does He want me to represent Him? How does He... And, it, and it's Jesus saying, I'm not actually doing anything on my own. I'm just copying what my dad does. I'm copying what my father does. And we're told to look at Jesus and to imitate Him. Not to live out of our own strength, not to live out of our own wisdom, but to in every situation, look at literally what would Jesus do and then do that. But we can't know what that is unless we're in the Word of God. Unless we're familiar with who He is, how He thinks, what He loves, what He hates. All these different situations that He was in, we're given His reaction on full display. So we know that when we're in those situations, we can know how to react as well. He hasn't hidden it from us. Listen to this in Ephesians. Where are we? Uh, Ephesians 4.17 Therefore, this I say to you, and I testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened and being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness that's in their hearts. And you can see that today more than any other time. People who don't know God should look very different from people who do know God. This is a description of people who don't know God. Their minds are futile. You can't tell them what's right and what's wrong. They make up their own rules and they completely reject and hate what God has for them and what God has to say to them, right? Paul's saying here, you should no longer live this way, as if you were one of them. You were one of them once, but you're not one of them anymore. If you're saved, 
If Jesus really is in you, then you're a new creation. So stop being like you were back in the day. You're not that anymore. It says this, who being, it describes them as who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. They want to do the wrong thing. They've given themselves over to it and they do it with greediness. They can't get enough of it. That's the world that we live in. And it's easy to say, I don't have to convince you of that. But you have not so learned from Christ. So Paul is saying, how do you know what the difference is between this life and this life? Because Jesus taught you. You should be looking at him. He taught you. You have not so learned in Christ, if indeed, and here's the, the kicker, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him. Because if you haven't, it won't show. It's pretty obvious in here, right? So it's like, if you have learned from Christ, you'll know that this is wrong. If you've learned from him. That you put, so what has Jesus taught? As the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, your old ways, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed instead in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. In every one of these situations, I get to either put on righteousness or put on the old man. It's one or the other. But you can't put on two sets of clothes at the same time. You'll notice as you were getting dressed today, you had to take off your pajamas and put on your clothes. Or you're going to keep them on. There's no in between. So if I'm going to put on the works of the Spirit, I'm going to take off the works of the flesh. Or I'm going to keep the works of the flesh on me. Decision is yours. Therefore, and this was the thing, by the way, this was the verse that came to my mind when I was in the store. And I looked it up afterwards to see why I, I thought about it. And it was the first part of that passage. And then today I noticed this part. Therefore, put away lying. The only one that it took, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. And I was like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to speak on. Because this is the one thing that it pointed out. Put away lying. After this list that we just read. I'm like, wow. But it says, you'll notice, every time it tells you to put off something, it has to tell you to put on something. So what does it say? Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. And then you get Jesus telling us what truth is. In John 17 here, in verse 15, he says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, talking about us as Christians, but that you protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world, even as I'm not of it. They're like me, and I'm not from here, and they're not from here either now, because they're like me. And so it says, sanctify them, purify them, cleanse them, make them more like me, by your truth. And we're like, oh, well, we've just heard about the truth twice. And then he says, your word is the truth. So you want to know what the truth is that you should speak to your neighbor? You want to know what the truth is that you should live according to? You want to know what the truth is that will set you free? You want to know what the truth is that will be a light to your path and to your footsteps? You want to know what the truth is? that will? These are all verses, by the way, that will stop you from stumbling. You want to know what the truth is that will tell you which way you should go and how you can act in wisdom and please God? Read your Bible. Even if you don't understand it. It will sink in. There are so many verses that I've read and then I encountered a situation I'm like, and then a verse came back to me that I didn't even know that I knew. 
I'm sure others in the circle who have had, have had similar experiences and I'm like, so that's what that means. That's what I should do. Sometimes from really obscure parts of the Bible, I'm like, I didn't even know that I knew this. Put it in you and let the Holy Spirit bring it out of you when the time comes. Your job is to put it in you. His job is to use it through you. Okay? Put it in you first. Last thing I want to read to you are just these few verses here. Oh, where'd it go? 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul says to Timothy, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Copy whatever in other people you see that looks like Jesus. But again, you'll only know what looks like Jesus when you've actually put the word inside of you. When you actually find out what he looks like first, so that you can see who's doing what he says you should be doing, and you can learn from them and copy them as they copy Jesus. Right? Ephesians 5, 1-2 says this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Making sense? Right? So here's the challenge. My challenge to you, and this is the bit that we'll, we'll now do kind of together. My challenge to you is that reading your Bible this year is the most important spiritual goal you can be aiming for. Because out of it comes everything else. I'm not worried about you as a youth leader if I know that you are regularly in the Word of God. Because it won't be anything that I say that corrects you or that, oh, like I'm worried about her in this or I'm worried about that. The Word of God is a mirror. If I know that you're reading it constantly, God will rebuke you Himself. You'll see your actions reflected back to you in the Word of God. And you're like, oh, I messed up. I shouldn't be doing that. And not just I shouldn't be doing that, because that's what people think Christianity is. Here's everything you shouldn't be doing. But putting off comes with the other side of the coin of putting on. Here's what I should be doing. And here's the joyful reward of putting on and taking off what I shouldn't be doing and putting on what I should be doing. Man, that's amazing. That feels fantastic. Because... The Spirit in me wants me to be like Jesus. So whenever I act in accordance with who He wants me to be, it feels like I'm breathing again. And when I do the opposite, well, we all know that feeling and it's called sin. You tell me how much fun that is. So my number one challenge to you, encouragement to you, is to read your Bible. Seriously. Don't be a baby. Just read your Bible. Like there is, no, there is no shortcut to it. There is no way of getting around it. There is no, oh, this translation or that translation. All of that is just sugarcoating and icing on it. If you want to read your Bible, you'll read your Bible. If you don't, you'll come up with a list of excuses a hundred miles long. It wasn't the right translation. I didn't understand it. I'm up to Leviticus, blah, 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 blah. We've all got a million of them, okay? Quit it. Read your Bible. For real, read your Bible. You will, have, you will be able to navigate life on your own if you know the Word of God. When there's no, I was like, man, I gotta, there's no phone a friend in real life, most of the time. I'm standing in this counter at this store in front of this guy and I have to make a decision. I'm either going to walk out and be the person who lied or I'm going to fess up and carry the consequences of it. I'm not going to call my youth leader in that moment and be like, now, I lied, but oh, tell the truth. Oh my gosh. You should know. And the only way that you will know 
is if the Word of God is in you. And the Spirit of God will use His Word in you every time. Even when you feel like you've forgotten it or you don't understand it or whatever. So if you're going to commit to anything, please commit to that. Ask us to keep you accountable in that. When you come up against questions, don't let that discourage you from reading. Ask your questions and push in when you find difficulty. Lean in. Don't lean out. Lean in to Jesus. When you have doubts, when you have questions, lean in. Don't lean out. This is your faith. This is your life. This is your eternity. This is your joy, by the way, as well. Living apart from Christ is misery. It sucks. We've all experienced that. So why do you want to keep going in it? Find out what brings joy and obey it. It's not an it, it's a he. Find out who brings joy and obey him. Right? So what I want you to do is take out your phones and we're going to do an exercise. Okay? Just, just, I just want you to think. Something I did with the youth a, a few years back. I'm going to give you three categories. Okay. Faith, family, and fellowship. There are others, but I'll just give you these three. Okay. So just write it, just open a new note. Faith, family, and fellowship. And I want you to be able to look at this note. 12 months from now when we have this kind of meeting again and under each of those headings I want you to write three different things that you want to do to grow in these areas these are the most important areas everything else comes second your education your finances your whatever everything else is second to these three your faith being first because out of it comes everything else your family, the only commandment that was given with a promise was obey your father and mother, was honor your father and mother. Sorry, honor your father and mother. should tell you how high it is on God's priority list. And number three is fellowship, how we're going to be with each other, friends, family, extended family, if you will. So what do you see that you want to change in order to grow in these areas? How do you want to water yourself, if we're talking about the tree that's alive, that will make you grow in your faith? What do you want to do to grow in your faith? What do you want to do to grow in your relationship with your family? What do you want to do to grow in your relationship with your friends and with other believers? Three things. I can share some of mine if it will give you some inspo and help you out. Mine is to continue to read my Bible every day as I have been doing. I don't care how tired I am. I don't care what I don't understand. I don't care what translation it is. I'm going to read my Bible or I'm not going to fall asleep. It doesn't matter how much I read. I just need to read. Okay? As a discipline, I need to read. I'm going to ask more questions that I have, that I've buried deep. And I'm like, man, I need to answer these questions. I'm going to explore them and dive into studying them and not shy away from them. And I'm going to continue to speak to the people who mentor me, who can speak into my life, who can actually call me out on the things that I'm doing wrong. And be like, hey, this isn't consistent with your faith. You say this, but you do this. This needs to change. Giving those people in my life permission to call me out 
and to actually help me to grow because this was never meant to be done alone. God gave us the church as a body. When you look at your own body, you can understand how the body works together. The body isn't all a brain. It's not all an eye. It's not all a hand. All of these things function together in harmony to bring about your ability to move. The church functions as a body in harmony to keep you healthy and keep you moving in the direction that God has for you. Right? For me, for family, I want to spend more time with my family. A lot of my time, I give my best outside of my house and I don't leave enough for my family. I want to give more time to my family. Intentional time to my family. I want to go out more with my family so it's not just at home. I want to actually have times where I'm making memories with my family. Okay? And I want to... Um, something I want to do... I want to actually like make... For, I like, mem- like it, for me, making memories is done really well when I can take pictures and photos. And I want to actually take more pictures and photos of things that I do with my family, videos and photos of things that I do with my family. And in fellowship, I want to actually create a list of people who I want to see in 2021 and make sure that there's enough time in my week to go and see all 52 or whatever of those people, however many a week I'm going to end up seeing and make sure that nobody slips through the crack. I want to be able to pray in an organized way for the people who I care about and who I love. That's, I want to strengthen my friendships that way. Um, and I want to assess who I should be closer to this year and who I should be further away from this year. Who's leading me towards Christ? Who's leading me away from Christ? And how can I help both? Right? Faith, family, fellowship. These are clear things There are practical things that I can do to grow in my relationship with God, my relationship with others, and my relationship with my family. So now I'm going to be quiet. Just take some time to actually do this exercise and think about it. How do you want to grow? What do you want to do that's different this year than you did it last year? Is it practical? Is it really doable? Take your time to think. And then just the last bit, whoever wants to share, it would really encourage us because I'm sure we can add things to our list. It would be really encouraging to hear. And we can support each other in our goals as well. Whoever is willing to share after this. So just write them down and, and we'll go from there. And I'm going to write down the ones that I just said for myself as well. So if any leaders want to do whatever, like it's open for everybody to, to do it.